Good evening, Don't Unfriend Me Nation, episode 439. Who am I? My name is Matthew Spear. I am the host of Don't Unfriend Me slash Breaking Truth. And tonight, we're going to be talking about Nord Stream 1 and 2. You remember the pipelines that had that explosion, and there was a lot of conversation about what could have possibly happened, and was it Russia? Was it England? Was it NATO? Who was it, or was it even Russia themselves? There were so many questions. I uh, reported on this, walked you through what, what I thought happened is that Russia did it themselves. Of course, a lot of people have their opinions, and Seymour Hirsch has one now, and he's laying the blame at the doorstep of the United States. Uh, I've had a chance to look over what he said. I do respect the man. He is an investigative journalist. Uh, he's made some outlandish claims that have proven to be false, and he has made claims that have been accurate. Uh, he's a Pulitzer Prize winner. That is a big thing. However, I feel this one, he is dead wrong, and I'm going to tell you why. This should be a good one. Stick with me right after we hear Eli Crane. I will be right back. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Matt, congratulations on your success, brother, and uh, I really appreciate you giving you know, both sides, you know, and just pe free speech, the opportunity to have a platform, dude. Got it. You got it. Thanks for everything you've done for this country, Eli. We'll talk next time. Tell Jen hello, and I'll have this ready in a couple of hours, and you can uh, share it and take a look. I uh, Thank you, man. Thanks, brother. All right. Bye-bye. Folks, Seymour Hirsch, we said we were going to talk about him tonight. He's a Pulitzer Prize winning investigative journalist. As I said earlier, he now makes the claim that the pipelines Nord Stream 1 and Nord Stream 2, the undersea pipelines that run side by side for 750 miles from Russia to Germany, were blown up by the USA. And certainly not the entire pipeline, that would be a pretty large explosion, but certain segments that ultimately uh, make them inoperable. Both of them run through the Baltic Sea before Russia invaded Ukraine. Nord Stream 1 transported cheap Russian gas to Germany. Cheap Russian gas is and was a big boon for the Germany, German economy at the time. Germany also retransported this gas to Western Europe. The Nord Stream essentially was a symbol of heavy European reliance on Russian energy. And Nord Stream 2, which was completed in 2021, would double that quantity. But last September, an undersea explosion blew up the pipelines. But nobody claimed responsibility for this. The U.S. blames Russia for the undersea sabotage, and Russia blames the United States. But these were all wild allegations, and nobody offered any proof. But the United States was never happy, and it always detested the idea of Europe becoming hostage to Russian energy. But blowing up the Nord Stream was out of the question, at least publicly, it would be an act of war. I'm here to tell you whether it was public or not, it still would be an act of war. And this act of war would be against Russia. But now almost six months down the line, the investigative reporter, Seymour Hirsch, like I said, says he knows what happened and that he may have the answer as to what happened. 
I always love it when Pulitzer Prize winners say, I may know what happened in the body of the article, but in the title, it says USA bombed Nord Stream 1 and 2, and all the other publications are as well, and that's unfortunate. The report has now been picked up by publications, including the Times, and what does Hirsch claim exactly? Let me list it out. And he says that the U.S. hatched the plot to bomb the energy pipeline. He cites an anonymous source, of course. And as expected, the White House has rejected the report. But several media outlets have picked up Hirsch's claim. And let's look at some of the facts now involved. Let's revisit the path of the Nord Stream pipelines. The Nord Stream begins in Wyborg, which is a Russian port at the Baltic Sea. The Nord Stream, pass, Nord Stream passes through the exclusive economic zones of five nations, Russia, Finland, Sweden, Denmark, and Germany. The Nord Stream ends at the German port of Griefswald. And as for the Nord Stream 2, it starts from the Russian port of Ust-Luga. It traces an almost similar route and runs till Griefswald. So the subsea bombing of the Nord Stream happened near the Danish islands of Bonholm. Coming back to the claims, according to Hirsch, that the entire operation was led by Jake Sullivan, and he is Biden's national security advisor. The planning allegedly began in December 2021, and that's when the first meeting was convened in Washington, D.C., so those are the people who were involved. Hirsch claims officials from the CIA, the Joint Chiefs of Staff, State Department officials, all after weeks of brainstorming, they went ahead and trained divers of the U.S. Navy, Navy diving teams. And Salvage Center in Panama City were handpicked to execute the job. And why them specifically? Well, it was to avoid scrutiny, according to him, from the U.S. Congress and prevent any kind of leaks of the operation. It was a highly secretive mission. Once again, he says, these are all Hirsch's claims. Further, Hirsch says that the entire operation was a multi-nation effort. The U.S. enlisted Norway's help to fulfill, but why Norway? Well, remember, it is a founding member of NATO. Its navy has excellent sailors. And in fact, Hirsch claims it was Norway which picked the U.S. divers planted the explosives during the Baltops 2022 drills. These are annual naval drills in the Baltic Sea, and the multinational drills are led by the United States. The drills also involved NATO countries, but the decision to detonate the bomb was deferred. And that's what Hirsch's report says. Yes, the explosives were sitting with Nord Stream for almost four months underwater, from June till September. But then on the 26th of September, the explosion happens. A Norwegian Navy P-8 spy plane flew a routine mission over the Baltic, and it secretly dropped a sonar buoy near where the explosives were. Russia is loving this and is calling for investigations, of course. Now, there's the story, and Hirsch is sticking to it, but my first reaction to this story was one of sheer trepidation. When the RT picks up your story, an American-based Russian state media outlet, you have to pump the brakes just a tad. As they describe themselves, RT is the first Russian 24-7 English-language news channel which brings the Russian view on global news. They headed this article. So then who did it? And I'm still holding on to my initial opinion until there is empirical evidence to the contrary. I'm not saying it wasn't the U.S., and I'm not saying it was Russia. But the evidence does not support these harebrained schemes and sheer guesswork 
on Seymour's part. So I'm going to make the case of why it was Russia. So here it is. Russia did it. Pretty much every country in the region agrees they did it. So let's use some basic deductive reasoning to get to the bottom of this mystery. And everyone will say, well, why would Russia cut their own throat? Well, I'll tell you why. How long are the Nord Stream 1 and 2 pipelines? 750 miles long? We said that. How deep are the Nord Stream 1 and 2 pipelines? 300 feet or 95 meters down. Now, about 75 meters is maximum dive for some of the most well-trained divers, let alone EOD and explosive ordnance. So where are the leaks? How could Russia have done it? That's what everyone keeps saying. They're over 400 miles away to the east. But are they? What's that little chunk of land sandwiched between Lithuania and Poland? Well, that's Kaliningrad. It is Russian. It's also the headquarters of Russia's Baltic fleet. So let's see, 700 miles long, but leaks are only about 100 miles away from Kaliningrad. 300 feet underwater, so that means no amateur diver got down there, but a military dive team could with the right equipment. Then there's the matter of Sweden and other nations in the vicinity detecting recording underwater concussions coming from that area in short succession, a day apart, and about 40 miles from each other. So unless all of the nations in this area colluded with each other to intentionally harm Germany by damaging these critical conduits from energy flow to Europe, which is improbable, that leaves only one hostile nation in the vicinity, guess who? And remember, who could fulfill and actually do the job? There's only so many militaries that could. This isn't an easy task. A lot of people said it could be a drone. A lot of people said it could have been a mine. A lot of people said it could be C4. There's a lot of guesswork of what could happen. But after we've received the photographs, it tells a very clear tale, something that Seymour leaves out conveniently. Russia's own denials of sabotage are also suspiciously absurd, too. For instance, they said that the particular part of the Baltic Sea is controlled by the CIA. Now let's step back a minute to really marvel at the balls it takes to actually publish a denial like this. A patch of international waterway or inlet that is barely 100 miles from the headquarters of the Russian Navy's Baltic Sea Fleet is under the complete control of the CIA, which is just an intelligence gathering agency based in Washington, D.C., not a military entity. Add on to this the fact that Russia had been working closely with OPEC to get them to agree to cut their quotas for production by 2 million barrels a day to try to push oil prices up, something that is absolutely essential to their survival, which OPEC announced they would do at the time, all in time for fall and winter when demand would be the highest. Russia did it. Seymour makes some critical miscalculations in his story, and here they are. The Baltops is an exercise that has been ongoing for years. If the countries that were involved actually did what he said, the U.S. would never, ever have to be involved in the first place. Norway, Finland, Sweden were more than capable of running this themselves. Also with less attraction, less noise, and with less breadcrumbs leading back to the NATO countries. Number two, it's an act of war, period, no matter if it was clandestine or not. More on that in a moment. Number three, EOD and or SEAL teams would be used for this. Plain and simple, end of story. Seymour's claim that the U.S. government would have to report this to Congress if utilizing special forces and or the Senate Oversight Committee is false. Actually, it's more than false. It's just a plain no. 
The gain of eight would have to be notified, and then the operation could take place. This is what the gain of eight is specifically designed for. U.S. presidents have cited a 2001 authorization for use of military force, the AUMF, to justify an unknown number of military operations, including airstrikes, combat, detention, and supporting partner militaries in at least 22 countries. However, because of funding, the proverbial shoe drop and escalation conflicts that could suck us into war, the gain of eight is always informed. C4, number four in no way was used in this situation. If anything, an underwater mine would be used for maximum penetration and reliable detonation. C4 would not be the right tool for the job. We have seen the underwater photos and they do not coincide with a C4 detonation, but more of a shape charge or internal explosion. More on that in a second. 300 meters is a long way down. Excuse me, 300 feet is a long way down, and 90 meters is a long way down because they're the same thing. You're not going to train a group of non-cleared, untrained divers into EODs in two months. Even the training from EOD professionals would violate Seymour's bogus claim of special ops detachment was required. He also stated he wanted to be kept secret. Then why not use clandestine forces, who were specifically designed and trained in this very situation ad nauseum. The location was chosen because it would avoid Russian surveillance, he says. Next to the fourth largest fleet operations, a sheer 100 miles away, that inlet is traversed by more vessels second only to the Gulf, hardly clandestine. A sonar buoy to remote detonate a bomb in a clandestine fashion, C4, some 300 feet down. Why not send a postcard with an emission letter attached? The whole story falls apart here. Lastly, gas pipelines have a machine, and it's called a pipeline inspection gauge. It's called a PIG, which are self-propelled devices used to measure and inspect the pipeline. These PIGs are constantly traveling up and down inside the pipeline. All you have to do is load one up with explosives, a remote detonator, and drive it to where you want it to explode. Then detonate it. That's what happened, and it's clear the Russians were responsible because the pipes blew up where only their pigs can go, because the European ones can't reach those spots. There's no scenario where the U.S. gains a benefit from sabotaging the pipeline, and these are the people who invented game theory after all. Now, people say they want a war with Russia. They want to go ahead and collapse the world, the new world order. Yeah, right. Just relax, people. We're answering a simple question. Who blew up the pipelines? Not who is uh, Dr. Evil in 2023. So let's say the following scenarios happen. Russia blows up the pipeline. What to lose? Nothing. Russia was already the dregs of the world, and their pipeline was closed for use, probably forever. At least Nord 1, Nord 2 was. What to gain? Everything. Disunity in NATO. Blaming the U.S. Support for Ukraine gone. Russia could take back territory. Putin would survive in the Kremlin. So now let's say the U.S. blows up the pipeline. What to lose? They lose support in NATO. It breaks up and lose the war in the Ukraine. The Americans lose a ton. And what to gain? Nothing. The pipeline was already closed. The economic contingencies don't change one bit. Russia offered to start sending Germany more gas through the Nord Stream 2. Germany told them to get effed. At that point, the pipeline became useless for Vladimir Putin. He was pissed off, and he wanted to send a message. Russia is outstanding at disinformation. It's something that they are 
so very effective at. Logistics, they're shit at, and obviously can't go ahead and refuel a freaking pickup truck. But when it comes down to disinformation, the KGB, the Politburo, and the higher ups inside the government of Russia are fantastic. They have a state run media, they have American influence in our media. We need to understand that Russians are going to try to take every advantage to look better or look like victims in the world. It's what they do. There is no evidence at all that the United States did this. And until there is, everything is just hypothetical, even mine. But all I'm doing is going off the facts and looking at the past to show you the probability of what happened. It's everyone else's job to try to disprove it. Folks, thanks for watching tonight. I hope you liked the show. Please do me a favor. Leave a like, share, subscribe, and follow right down below. It helps spread the channel. Last but not least, if you would stop by thedumbshow.com. And The Dumb Show is my website. You can find all of our blog, our recordings, video, podcast, shirts, hats, all that type of stuff. Great coffee. Stop on by thedumbshow.com and take a look. It was built for you after all. Last but not least, I will go out like I always do with the Veteran Crisis Hotline, a great message that kind of puts a giant bow on what is needed for the 22 veterans that are committing suicide a day. This shirt proceeds go to, uh, 10% go to veterans through the Travis Mannion Foundation. You can stop by and pick that up at thedumbshow.com. And here is the VCL number if you need it. God bless. I will see you tonight live and tomorrow live with another recorded show. Talk to you soon. I'm David Boreanaz with the Cast of Seal team and we have an important message for returning vets. We want you to know if you're struggling to cope, there's help and it's just a phone call away. The Veterans Crisis Line is staffed with experienced professionals who know your struggles. There's no greater sacrifice in service to our country. We're able to enjoy our freedoms because of it. Your service is important, you are important. For vets and their families, the Veterans Crisis Line is here to help 24 hours a day. Please call.